Hi, this is Steve Conover, executive producer of the Friends of Israel Today. And I'm Chris Katolka. 2018 is quickly approaching, and we're still closing the gap financially for 2017. My friend, as you're planning your year-end gifts, would you prayerfully consider supporting the Friends of Israel Today? Your gifts would continue the work of making Christ known around the world and blessing Israel through this radio ministry. Visit foiradio.org, and there you'll find a donate link, or you can mail your gift to P.O. Box 914, Belmar, New Jersey, 08099. And let us know where you're listening when you contact us. And again, thank you for your prayers and continual support of our radio ministry. Welcome to the Friends of Israel Today. This Christmas season, we are excited to share with you a series of messages from the archives answering the question, why Bethlehem? Now, Bethlehem is a city that the Christian community around the world reveres because it's the place of Jesus' birth. Micah 5.2 reveals to us that the prophet Micah saw more than just the location of Jesus' birth, but that Bethlehem points to Jesus' royalty as the king of Israel, his divinity as the son of God, and his sacrifice as the lamb of God. Also, the gospel writer Luke shares that after Jesus was born, he was wrapped in swaddling clothes and laid in a manger. You'll be surprised to hear what those swaddling clothes were used for. You know, where you come from in some way defines you a bit. Even if you move far away from where you're from, it still has a way of defining you. I was born in Philadelphia, and uh, whenever I tell people from outside of Philadelphia where I'm from, I usually get at least three different responses. People would say, oh, you're from Philadelphia, you must love cheesesteaks. Now listen, I think cheesesteaks are great, but they are definitely not a part of my daily diet uh, coming from Philadelphia. I'm sure my doctor wouldn't like that either. You know, other people say, oh, I've been to Philadelphia before. Those people are rude. And my response is always, well, they're not rude. They're just honest. And then finally, people would say, oh, I've been to the Liberty Bell before. Uh, I love the Liberty Bell. And with a real sense of pride, I like to say, you know, Philadelphia is the cradle of liberty. You know, there's a lot of great things uh, that, that define you from, from where you come from. Look, most of us know where Jesus was born and where he comes from. He was born in the little tiny town of Bethlehem that sits just five miles south of Jerusalem. But did you ever wonder why Jesus was born in Bethlehem? Because remember, where you come from can define you a bit. Jesus' birth in Bethlehem wasn't an accident. It was predestined. And the prophet Micah predicted Jesus' birth, saying this in Micah 5.2, But you, O Bethlehem, Ephrathah, who are too little to be among the clans of Judah, from you shall come forth for me one who is to be a ruler in Israel, whose coming forth is from of old, from ancient days. Micah's prophecy was fulfilled in Matthew chapter 2, verses 1 through 6, which says this, 
Now, after Jesus was born in Bethlehem of Judea in the days of Herod the king, behold, wise men from the east came to Jerusalem, saying, Where is he who has been born the king of the Jews? For we saw his star when it rose and have come to worship him. And when Herod the king heard this, he was troubled, and all Jerusalem with him. And assembling all the chief priests and scribes of the people, he inquired of them where the Christ was to be born. And they told him, in Bethlehem of Judea, for so it is written by the prophet. And he's thinking of the prophet Micah there. Jesus' birth in Bethlehem is a symbol, really, of his entire ministry. It will define him totally. First, remember, Bethlehem is just a little itty-bitty town. It wasn't large at all. If you were driving on a highway during the days of Jesus, you probably would drive right past it and never even bat an eye. But even though it was small, the significance of Bethlehem was huge for the Jewish people during the days of Jesus. Bethlehem was so significant because the greatest king of Israel that ever lived was born and grew up in Bethlehem. And his name was King David. Listen to what 1 Samuel 16, 1-4 says. The Lord said to Samuel, How long will you grieve over Saul, since I have rejected him from being king over Israel? Fill your horn with oil and go. I will send you to Jesse the Bethlehemite, for whom I've provided myself a king among his sons. And Samuel did just what the Lord commanded, and he went to Bethlehem. And it's there Samuel will find a young shepherd boy, David, who would grow to be Israel's greatest king. And this little town in Judah would produce greatness in Israel's history. God made special promises to King David, saying that through him would arise a series of Israelite kings that would be his sons, but that there would be one in his lineage that would rule as king forever and ever. Jesus is a son of King David. And being born in Bethlehem screams to the Jewish people of that time that Jesus is royalty. The city of Bethlehem is a royal city in the eyes of the Jewish people in the days of Jesus. Even those wise men who came to worship the baby knew he was royalty by presenting him with gifts that were fit for a king, gold, frankincense, and myrrh. So first, we see that that little town of Bethlehem reveals to us the royalty of Jesus. But Micah's prophecy just doesn't tell us where the Messiah would be born. It tells us more than that. It tells us what kind of person he would be 
Micah says the future ruler of Israel was to be born in Bethlehem and that his coming forth is from of old, from ancient days. And some translations of the Bible say from everlasting. I find this section to be most interesting. In Micah's eyes, the future ruler of Israel would be born in Bethlehem, but he would be eternal in nature. How can a ruler come from ancient days? Now, the Gospel of Matthew and Luke, they give us the best picture of the birth of Jesus. But it's the Gospel of John that gives us a different perspective of Jesus' birth. John wants to teach that Jesus may have been born in Bethlehem, but he is eternal and everlasting. Listen to the words of the Gospel of John in chapter 1, verses 1 through 3. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. He was in the beginning with God. All things were made through him, and without him was anything made that was made. Micah is able to combine the story of Jesus' birth in one prophetic verse, that the Messiah would be born in Bethlehem, but he comes from eternity past. He is more than any human king. He is God. He is God come in flesh. Listen to John 1.14. And the word, that's Jesus, became flesh and dwelt among us, and we have seen his glory, glory as of the only Son from the Father, full of grace and truth. Look at all that we can learn about the birth of Jesus the Messiah from Micah's prophecy made 700 years before the first advent of Christ. We learned about the place Jesus was born and how his birth in Bethlehem shows his royalty. He is the king of Israel. But then we saw how Micah's prophecy revealed the deity of Jesus, that even though he was born in Bethlehem, he's been in existence for eternity. Now listen, we're not through just yet. Next week, you want to be sure to tune in because we're going to look at one more aspect of Jesus' birth in Bethlehem. Micah, in a different verse, shows us exactly where Jesus was born within the city of Bethlehem. And again, it shows us more about the ministry of Jesus. Chris, before we move on, you said that Jesus being born in Bethlehem reveals to us his royalty. So why is it important that Jesus is a descendant of David? Yeah, you know, Bethlehem, once again, it points us directly to the lineage of King David. It shows us the value of what it means that Jesus would become the King of Israel, the Messiah of Israel. And you know, Paul gathers all of this together for us in the beginning of the book of Romans, in Romans chapter 1, because Paul really wants us to understand what the gospel is completely about. And Paul takes us to the, this one section in Romans chapter 1, verse 2, where he says this, that the gospel of God, which he promised beforehand through his prophets in the Holy Scriptures concerning his Son— 
who was a descendant from David according to the flesh. See, it was incredibly important for Jesus to be the son of David, to fulfill all the messianic prophecies that were promised in the Old Testament. But you, Bethlehem Ephrathah, though you are little among the thousands of Judah, yet out of you shall come forth to me the one to be ruler in Israel, whose goings forth are from of old, from everlasting. Micah 5.2 In John 1 we read, In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God and the Word was God. He was in the beginning with God. In Isaiah chapter 9 we read, For unto us a child is born, unto us a son is given, and the government will be upon his shoulder, and his name will be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. Of the increase of his government and peace there will be no end. Upon the throne of David and over his kingdom, to order it and establish it with judgment and justice from that time forward, even forever. The zeal of the Lord of hosts will perform this. In Luke chapter 2 we read, And she brought forth her firstborn son, and wrapped him in swaddling clothes, and laid him in a manger, because there was no room for them in the inn. Now there were in the same country shepherds living out in the fields, keeping watch over their flock by night. And behold, an angel of the Lord stood before them, and the glory of the Lord shone around them, and they were greatly afraid. Then the angel said to them, Do not be afraid, for behold, I bring you good tidings of great joy which will be to all people. For there is born to you this day in the city of David a Savior, who is Christ the Lord. And this will be a sign to you. You will find a babe wrapped in swaddling clothes lying in a manger. And suddenly there was with the angel a multitude of the heavenly host praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest, and on earth peace, goodwill toward men. Today on our short segment, I want to answer a question that came in a while ago that I think is fitting for the Christmas season. The question is this, what are the swaddling clothes Jesus was wrapped in when he was born that we read about in Luke chapter 2? Now listen, this is a great question and a question that fits the Christmas season as we celebrate the birth of Christ. Now let's let's go to Luke chapter 2 and this is what it says. In those days, a decree went out from Caesar Augustus that all the world should be registered. This was the first registration when Quirinius was governor of Syria. And all went to be registered, each to his own town. And Joseph also went up from Galilee, from the town of Nazareth, to Judea, to the city of David, which is called Bethlehem, because he was of the house and lineage of David, to be registered with Mary, his betrothed, 
who was with child. And while they were there, the time came for her to give birth. And she gave birth to her firstborn son and wrapped him in swaddling clothes and laid him in a manger because there was no place for them in the inn. So what we can see is this, is that directly after Jesus was born, Mary wrapped Jesus in swaddling clothes or what could also be interpreted as bands of cloth. These bands of cloth were actually commonly used during the days of the Old Testament period and in the days of Jesus for newborn babies. The picture of the swaddling clothes or the bands of cloth are also found in Ezekiel, the prophet Ezekiel, in chapter 16, verse 4, when it's describing the birth of Israel. And God says this, that he found Israel neglected and alone, and that they were actually not wrapped in swaddling clothes until he came along, until God came along and clothed them. So here's the process. This is what would happen. After a baby was born, a cloth would have been folded around the infant. Then strips of cloth were tightly wound around the baby from the belly down to the feet. And this practice prevented the babies from moving so that the child's legs would strengthen. Overall, this act is an act of parental love. It shows that Jesus was welcomed lovingly into the world by Mary and Joseph. That even after a painful birth, Mary, who was all alone and without a midwife, took time to attend to the needs of this newly born Jesus. But even more, this custom of wrapping infants in cloth looks a lot like the ancient custom of wrapping a person in grave clothes. Much of the birth of Jesus prefigures his death. And it should be no surprise that Luke highlights in Luke 23, 53, that after Jesus died, he was lowered from the cross and wrapped in a linen cloth for burial. A picture of love and care in the beginning of, of his life also points to his suffering at the end of his life. The celebration of Christmas, my friends, is not just a celebration of the coming of Jesus. It's also a reminder of why he came. He came for us to be a sacrifice that we might have life. So the next time you read about the swaddling clothes, remember, it's a picture of the love and care Jesus had when he was born and also the suffering he was predestined to face. If you have a question about the Bible, Israel, the Jewish people, or the future, simply go to foiradio.org to the Ask FOI section of our homepage, and there you can type in your question for us here at the Friends of Israel today. Israel, on the verge of becoming a state, a teenage Holocaust survivor arrives on her shores alone. His name is Svi Kalisher. Little did he know his search for a new life in the Holy Land would lead him to the Messiah. Svi, enthusiastic to share his faith, engaged others in spiritual conversations, many of which can be found in our magazine, Israel, My Glory. 
While Sfi is now in the presence of his Savior, his collected writings from well over 50 years of ministry continue to encourage believers worldwide. Now, Apples of Gold, a dramatic reading from the life of Sfi. We recently experienced something we've not seen in Israel for many years, a snowstorm with 16 inches. It caused many traffic accidents and downed power lines and loss of electricity. Most people in my neighborhood know me as either a helpful person or as a so-called apostate who tries to lead them away from the faith. During the snowstorm, the Lord performed a miracle by bringing to my door a well-known rabbi who I thought knew me only as an apostate. He came not with a sour face, but with a pleasant expression, and in a kind voice said, Well, Zvi, you have won the war. I think you can help me. We have no electricity. I have heard you can help. Of course, let us go, I said, as I picked up my toolbox. After a few minutes of work, the lights came on, bringing great joy to the rabbi and his family. I then recited Isaiah 9-2. The people who walked in darkness have seen a great light. Those who dwell in the land of the shadow of death, upon them a light has shined. Because I was a guest in the rabbi's home, I felt the liberty to speak about the Lord. They invited me to sit and have a cup of tea as we talk. Such an opportunity comes perhaps once in a jubilee, and I ask the Lord to help me speak. The rabbi was so grateful for what I had done that he vowed never again to speak against me or call me an apostate. As I was about to leave, the rabbi asked what he owed. I replied, oh, there's no charge. God has given me a great love for my neighbors. The Lord said, you shall love your neighbors as yourself. You are my neighbor. The rabbi then jumped up and said, do you actually believe what the Bible says? Oh, yes, I replied. He said, show me before my entire family where this man Jesus is in the Bible. And then I read Micah 5, 2. But you, Bethlehem Ephrathah, though you are little among the thousands of Judah, yet out of you shall come forth to me the one to be a ruler in Israel, whose goings forth are from of old, from everlasting. He replied, but this one, in whom you believe, never ruled Israel. He was crucified. You are right, I said. And everyone stared at him as he hung there. Zechariah 12.10 says, They will look on me whom they pierced. Yes, they will mourn for him as one mourns for his only son, and grieve for him as one grieves for a firstborn. I could show you page after page where the Bible speaks about this one whom you ridicule. He then quoted Jeremiah 12.1, Why does the way of the wicked prosper? I asked, Who are the wicked? Those who believe in the living God, or those who worship a false faith? Our discussion became very heated. I pray I will have further opportunity to speak to this rabbi, trusting that one day, he and his family will escape spiritual darkness and embrace spiritual light, just as they were brought out of physical darkness. 
into physical light during the snowstorm. To support the Friends of Israel Today radio program with a year-end gift, visit foiradio.org. Next week, we'll hear part two in our series, Why Bethlehem? Chris, this Monday is Christmas Day. Any closing thoughts? Yeah, you know, Christmas is a fresh reminder that God humbled himself so that he could come to dwell with us. And as we're learning in Micah, this is so important. And next week, we're going to see how Christmas also leads us to Easter, the sacrifice of Christ. Thank you, Chris. Our host and teacher is Chris Katolka. Today's program was produced by Tom Gallion, co-written by Sarah Fern, Mike Kellogg read Apples of Gold, and our theme music was composed and performed by Jeremy Strong. Again, I'm Steve Conover, executive producer. The Friends of Israel Today is a production of the Friends of Israel Gospel Ministry. We are a worldwide Christian ministry communicating biblical truth about Israel and the Messiah while fostering solidarity with the Jewish people.